You know that in the Book of Mormon, there are only six women who are mentioned by name. And yet one of those women was a simple servant girl, a young servant girl by the name of Abish. This is Between the Lines of the Book of Mormon, and we're your hosts. I am Jay Harris. And I'm Andrew Harris. And we're delighted to have you join us today. This should be a very interesting discussion. Why do you think Mormon would choose a young servant girl to name in the Book of Mormon? In order to give an answer to that question, let's go back and retell the story very briefly of what took place at this time. Yeah. This is the story of Ammon, who was one of the sons of King Mosiah. As you recall, he made the choice to leave Zarahemla, and because of his conversion to the church, he went out and was a missionary to the Lamanite people. Yeah. Ammon chose a land called Ishmael, where he could go and preach. But before he could preach, if he tried just preaching to the people, they would have put him to death. Yeah, they didn't trust the Nephites. So what did he do? Well, he went to King Lamoni, and he, instead of just saying, here I am, I'm going to preach to you, he said, I'd like to be a servant for you. It was kind of shocking to him, probably. And rather than put him to death, King Lamoni, who was king over the land of Ishmael, said, all right, I'll send you out to be a shepherd. And he sent him far away out into the countryside where he could be a shepherd and not be a threat to the king at all. Yeah. And Ammon said, okay, if that's all I can do, that's what I'll do. And so he went out and was a shepherd for the king. I think most people are familiar with the story of the thieves coming in and trying to steal the king's sheep. And Ammon stood against them. Chopped and, off uh, all the arms. <laughs> chopped off a lot of arms, which is a little gross. And, and the other shepherds then gathered up the arms and took them to the king and said, look what this mighty man has done. Yeah. It was pretty impressive that he would stand and defend the king's flocks so bravely. To me, when I was in Young Men's, we'd think about that story almost like an action movie, you know, this hero who's fighting against a horde of thieves. and We're trying to kill him. Yeah, and single-handedly beats them all up and cuts off all their arms. And a little bit of a superhero. <laughs> I, think he, I think that was the perception. And other servants said, wow, this is not an ordinary man. This is, a, as you say, a superhero. Yeah. So King Lamoni invited Ammon to come in for an interview. One of the interesting parts, too, is where he was, because he gets back and he's like, where is he? And he's out tending the horses. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm like, what? That's right. What kind of guy is this? Yeah. <laughs> and yet he then went before King Lamoni and bravely preached to King Lamoni, probably a little frightened because the king could have put him to death at any time. But unknown to Ammon, King Lamoni was secretly looking for someone because he was concerned about his own state of affairs. He was concerned about his own salvation, and he thought, maybe this man who is so strong and mighty is a god, and he yeah. might be able to forgive me of the things that I've done wrong. Yeah. Anyway, King Lamoni was open to Ammon's preaching, and Ammon said, I am not a god, but I testify to you that there is a god. Yeah. And he created man, and he loves his children. And God himself will come down to the earth and take upon himself the sins of the world so that anyone who repents and is sincerely sorry for their wrongdoing can be forgiven through the atonement of this man named Jesus Christ. And this whole uh, story with Ammon 
is a little odd because the reaction that teachings of Ammon get. You know, most people kind of feel a burning in the bosom or whatever, you know, some kind of, they all end up fainting. Wow. And Lamoni was so touched by the spirit that he collapsed onto the floor. Yeah. The servants then ran to the king and they picked him up and carried him into his wife's quarters where they laid him in a bed. Yeah. And she said, some of my servants say that He's still alive and is just full of the spirit. Other servants say that he's starting to stink. I think he's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she said, I don't know which it is. I don't know if he's alive or if he's dead. Yeah. yeah. Now, the queen, <laughs> with her power, could have said, this is caused by this evil man, Ammon. Yeah. And she could have ordered his execution, and they would have immediately put Ammon to death. Yeah. She didn't know Ammon probably much better than King Lamoni knew him, and, but he was a Nephite. He could have been a spy, and she might have assumed he came and poisoned my husband, or he did something to him. But the queen, whose name we don't know, had been prepared. This is Alma 19.3. And it came to pass that Ammon did as he was commanded, and went into, unto the queen, and desired to know what she would that he should do. And she said unto him, The servants of my husband have made it known unto me that thou art a prophet of a holy God, and that thou hast power to do mighty works in his name. So the queen had already had someone stand and bear witness of the prophet of God, that this man was no ordinary man, but this was a special man who was called of God, and had the authority to act in God's name. For two days and two nights, King Lamoni lay on this bed as if he were dead, and yet the queen was willing to listen to the teachings of Ammon. And like her husband, they both were now converted to the gospel. Suddenly he awoke, and the two of them realized that they had gained testimonies separately, and after they embraced both of them collapsed onto the floor. I guess this was a habit among the Lamanites. Maybe it was something genetic. <laughs> <laughs> now, not only did they collapse to the floor, but the servants who were there collapsed onto the floor and were unconscious. Yeah. And the one remaining servant who stayed awake was the young girl that Mormon now introduces as Abish. Yeah. Mormon tells us that Abish had been converted to the gospel as a child, that her father had received a vision, and in this vision had gained a testimony of the gospel, and that the family were converted to Christianity at this very young age. Yeah. Abish and her family were kind of like a lot of members of our church that are out in the what we call the mission field. Rather than living among a lot of members of the church, she was, you know, the only member or the only believer in her right. in her area, along with her family members maybe, but And yet at the risk of her own life, she had borne her testimony to the Queen. Yeah. She had testified of Ammon, and she'd probably had conversations with her about God and about other things as well, but we don't know exactly what. She'd been able to testify of true principles or doctrines to the queen and had helped to prepare her heart and her mind so that when she finally did receive this missionary, um, Ammon, who was there to, to teach her about the gospel, she was ready. After they awoke, King Lamoni and his Faithful wife were both baptized into the church and became faithful members for the rest of their lives. Yeah. You know, on my mission, as I was out teaching different families and different people, 
sometimes you'd be teaching someone and, and they would let you in the door because they'd say, I knew a, a member of the church when I was growing up, or I remember working with someone, you know, whatever it was, they might have some recollection of meeting a member of the church that made some impact on their life. They they often would say things like, they were the nicest person, something about them, you know, that made, made me respect them or want to be like them or whatever it was. And those members that they were thinking about, maybe they later on went back and contacted them, you know, after they joined the church or something, they might go back and say, hey, you made a, a difference in my life. But they might not even ever know that they had that impact on them. But sometimes just by being an example or just by sharing some little testimony, it can have some impact that you never really realize. And Ammon is the one who gets most of the credit in this story, but Mormon realized the impact of Abish that she had on this this family and this whole group of people. I think we can read between the lines that it was Abish who had borne this testimony to the uh, queen of the land of Ishmael. Yeah. But why would Mormon go to the trouble of identifying her by name? He didn't identify the queen. We don't know her name. No. We don't even know King Lamoni's father's name or his mother's name. But Mormon made it a point to identify this young Abish. Reading between the lines, if you think about the events that now took place, the king was converted. His wife was converted. They allowed Ammon to now teach the people. And as a result, many of the people of that kingdom were converted to the gospel and baptized. King Lamoni then went to his father, and eventually he agreed to listen to the missionary lessons. This king over all the Lamanites was converted to the church. Mm-hmm. After his conversion, the Lamanites opened their doors to the missionaries. Thousands upon thousands joined the church and gained testimonies. And what was the spark? What was the catalyst that started all of this huge chain reaction? It was the simple testimony of the young servant girl by the name of Abish. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. We hope that this presentation has strengthened your testimony of the gospel and of the Book of Mormon. Next time, we'll talk about Nephite missionaries. How were they trained? Until then, enjoy your reading.